Our panellist, Julie Aubrey, is our regional membership officer for Zones 7B, 8, 21B and 27. So it's now my very great pleasure to introduce our panellist, Julie Aubrey. Over to you, please, Julie. Thanks so much, Carol. Uh, good day, everyone. I'm very excited to be on the call today to discuss ways that we can engage early retirees and seniors in Rotary. And they're such an important demographic. We really need to maintain uh, their positive member experience and do so much outreach because they are, they're ready to be put to work. They're ready to engage and do better and wonderful things in their community and around the world. So one thing to think on is, does your club reflect the people in the community of yours, including seniors? And if not, then why not? This demographic brings such a great wealth of knowledge, experience, wisdom, and skills to your club. And they tend to have a lot of time and, and we need to show them why their time and talents are best spent on Rotary. And I also wanna mention quickly too, that there's a young professionals campaign that Rotary has been putting forward. And mostly that was put together because less than 5% of Rotarians are under 40. However, aside from that campaign, I don't want that to, to make any existing members feel alienated or that Rotary is not for them because that is simply not true. Anyone that has a heart for service and philanthropy and leadership, and especially with all of the experience, knowledge, and leadership that early retirees and seniors can bring to Rotary Club, we really, really need them. So first we're gonna talk about understanding the why and we're gonna go over some attraction and engagement strategies, then some really important resources that are gonna help you accomplish both of those things, understanding the why and developing strategies. And then we're gonna have time for some questions. So first, sometimes it's not a hard push, but sometimes it is, you know, you never know what, what people are up to, what they're doing with their time. They might be busy with family. But first of all, we need to talk about why should early retirees and seniors want to volunteer? And there's a wealth of studies out there showing that it better improves their overall health. It helps reduce depression and loneliness, improves the longevity and quality of life, including mental health, improved and cognitive function, as well as increased physical activity. So volunteering, there's a lot of benefits for the individual should they get out there and start doing things well. The follow-up to that though is why should they be volunteering with your club? And it's not always the quickest answer that you can have. I really want people to sit back and think on this because you don't want to answer for them. You really need to take some time to self-reflect so what does your club offer them? How is your club and its projects or activities relevant to your community? What value does your club bring? And what is your club missing? What could be improved? What could be expanded upon? We can speculate, but really it depends on the club and the community. And we'll cover how you can get to the questions, the answers to these questions a little later. Right now we're gonna cover three main ways your club can better engage and attract seniors and early retirees. So. First one is creating opportunity. If we create social events and service projects that appeal to seniors and early retirees, that's what's gonna bring the draw. And that works with any demographic, really, when you're looking to diversify your club. So creating that opportunity where there's interest in the events, carrying it to bringing awareness about your club and how your community could benefit from their participation and membership. 
that's a great, great place to start. Also creating new friendships. There's a large, there was a large survey in Rotary done a few years ago that showed why developing friendships and fellowship might not have been the number one reason why people joined Rotary, but it's the number one reason why people stay. So, you know, when you're no longer a child in school, it can be a little difficult to make friends as an adult. You know, you might find them at your job, you might have them in your family, maybe passerbys, but overall, it can be a little difficult to make that connection. Rotary can offer a platform for these shared interests, having the heart for service and philanthropy, and your community and the more depending on the activities that your club does, all of that can attract and keep people in your club. Also family. When clubs are inclusive, it opens up possibility for family in all of its forms, whether it's bringing in siblings or children or grandchildren or even parents. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of past director Jennifer Jones from Canada. She's a fantastic speaker. If you ever have the pleasure of meeting her or seeing her speak online. But it wasn't her parents who brought her into Rotary. She brought her parents into Rotary after she found it to be the best organization for her to participate in. But besides bringing in us, bringing in family, we can also think about Rotary provides a new type of family. You know, those seeking connection and inclusivity, whether it be that the person's family lives far away now, or maybe they've lost their partner, they can find a new form of family in the club. And it's critical to understand the wants and their needs. And we have some great community assessments. We've got information on focus groups and membership assessments so that you can better dive into understanding what makes them tick, what is it they're looking for, what's missing in the community, what's missing in your club, and connecting all the dots to provide the best club experience and improving your community and getting new members. Another way that you can engage and better attract is through mentorship. You know, utilize their skills, give them the space and motivation to use their skills and talent to mentor other people in the club or in the community. For prospective members now retired, this is a great way to stay active, but also within the clubs, some seasoned members might feel complacent or forgotten or unimportant and unappreciated merely because they're not new to the club anymore. Does your club do member interviews to show each member's interests, talents, or experience? And if they do do that, that's awesome. But do you do those interviews only once, perhaps when they've just joined? It's a, if we do those more regularly, it might be a great way to re-showcase their features, their skills that they bring to the club so that they feel appreciated, but also the newer members understand more about them and better connect. Also, they can become a mentee and learn new skills from fellow members or club project opportunities. That's another way to look at it as well. Or they can do a mutual mentorship, teach a skill and learn a skill at the same time. And does your club provide mentorship already? And if they do, what's the platform? Is it one thing, you know, are members paired up for one to be the mentor or mutual mentorship? Uh, do you do the club interviews or maybe just some fun presentations? I recently heard about this social group that created a fun environment to share your passion. Each person was asked to present their chosen topic and to present for no more than three minutes to the group. If you went over, 
you had to take a shot. <laughs> now, I don't think you need to drink necessarily. You could even make it like if you go over three minutes, you have to donate to the foundation or something else that's engaging and silly and fun. And at the end, the participants actually learned a lot in a short period of time, not just about the topic itself, but also about their friends in the club that they might have not known that either they had this knowledge or this interest, but they got to hear about their specific passion, even in my niche, and they don't talk about it often. It was very successful. People had a great time. But there's also other opportunities, too, where it doesn't have to just be within the club like that. Does your club participate in or facilitate community learning? Not too long ago, I had shared an example on, on my Facebook page about this great program in Melbourne called right, Raising the Bar, where there were over 10 venues and they hosted 20 talks from academics and experts. And it was kind of described like a TED Talks where you can drink and socialize. But what a great way to not only learn more, but engage in the community and, and build on that fellowship. I mean, if, if a club or several, several clubs came together to create a similar space, it could focus on anything from professional development, personal development, education, to Rotary members in the community, but also could engage with prospective members local businesses, again, building fellowship, and also showcase and bring awareness about Rotary that perhaps people didn't know about. And then one last thing too, as far as a platform for mentorship, do you encourage members to try out different leadership roles or committees? I mean, adding someone to a committee and empowering them in that sense, it's a great place for them to learn more leadership maybe learn more about the role, try something different with the club, have fun with that position. And then the third strategy is using flexibility to better engage and accommodate the senior and early retiree demographic in your community. One of them to consider is location. You know, do you meet in the same spot every week? And if there was interest, would your club consider rotating the meeting to make the location more approachable or more seen, or maybe members are willing to pick up senior members who perhaps don't have a car or can no longer drive. Also, there's been some recent interest in creating clubs in senior retirement facilities. I hesitate a little bit to encourage this just because it might keep others on the outside from visiting the facility more often, but what could be done is just you know, periodically having the meetings there, rotating those meetings, holding events there or a service project or some kind of fun activity to make it more accessible and more approachable. And while also bringing a balance to accommodating all the members in the club, everyone feels like they can participate. Also, we can look at the time and day once your club meets. Perhaps your club meets in the evening but prospective members in this demographic maybe would rather meet in the morning or on the weekend. Really, that's something I'm just, these are examples, by the way. That's something that you would have to investigate and I'll show you how to. But yeah, maybe they wanna meet in the morning or the weekend. So your club might consider adding two meetings a month, you know, during the morning or the weekend. Or maybe instead of adding more meetings, maybe they could just stagger them. Two meetings a month are in the morning, two meetings a month are in the evening, or uh, somehow you add service projects or socials into that figuration. Just some things to keep in mind.
And the last thing about flexibility that could be really helpful is creating perhaps an alternative membership type. So one thing to keep in mind when considering membership types is that when you're reporting this to Rotary, all membership types are technically active, which means you can be uh, a club officer, you pay dues, you can vote, you know, and you're included in the headcount of, of that club. If you're honorary, it's kind of by name only. You don't, you don't have to pay. You can't vote and you can't hold a leadership role. So just something to keep in mind, either active or honorary. But if you're looking at creating an alternative membership type that falls underneath one of those, I mean, you could look at something depending on what your attendance requirements are for your club. Now, RI says that you can make up the, the attendance requirements, whatever you need. We don't have any restrictions on that anymore. So if you're requiring something, maybe they have it dialed back. Maybe that's not even an issue though. Or perhaps alternate membership dues. I know some people say, you know, I don't get to every meeting. I don't want to pay for the chicken and salad that I might not be eating that maybe feels overpriced to begin with. So maybe there's a tiered scale for membership dues. A lot of clubs have been considering this and there's some great examples out there as well. And if you're afraid to try something new at all, first off, this is a, a conversation to have with your club. And I'll show you some, some best practices on how to have that conversation. But also there's always a trial period. If you wanna do that, try something out for six months or a year or longer, and you can put it in your bylaws that you can meet back up at that time to discuss it as a club, see how it went, and either cut it or move forward with it if it's been successful and liked by the members. So here are some resources that are really gonna help you out with some of the things that I talked about earlier. So one of them is community assessment tools. This is technically not even a membership resource, it's a resource for developing new Rotary projects, but I feel like they go hand in hand, right? I mean, we were talking about projects being a way to reach a new demographic by finding out what they're interested in. So in a long shot way, it is related to membership and improving the member experience and awareness about Rotary. So when you take the time to learn about your community and assess it, assess your community strengths, weaknesses, needs, and assets, you can discover the most relevant opportunities for your projects and maximize your club's ability to take a meaningful impact. A community assessment can help you get a better understanding of the dynamics in your community and help both you and the beneficiaries make important decisions about service priorities. So even if you're actively involved in your community, an assessment still can reveal additional strengths and opportunities for growth. Again, you know, taking a step back and, and trying not to assume you know every aspect of your community or all the neighborhoods and needs within it. So if you do an assessment, it'll help you build valuable relationships and encourage the community members to actively participate, making lasting improvements through your club. So it's really a critical first step for creating trust, community, ownership, and sustainability when you're looking at maybe using new projects to reach different demographics and really grow your club in the community. Now I'm gonna go over a little trio that's been really helpful, not just for bringing in new members, but first and foremost, just assessing and, and taking a look at your club. So Rotary Club Health Check, this is a really helpful, quick guide. 
you could even make this really fun if you want to pass it out to all the members in your club to just have a quick go through. It's a checklist. Basically, the idea behind it is like you take the pulse of your club, right? And then you get a prognosis and you get remedies recommended to fix the membership ailments in your club. So I recommend this as a first step of this little trio that's really impactful. The second one is strengthening your membership. And you might have seen this before. This has just been updated too. This is a great way to create your membership plan. It's a really easy read, some great information in there, and not just about attracting, but engaging and taking a full look at your club and what it means to make a plan for the member experience. And then kind of the deep dive is membership assessment tools. So I don't recommend a club take all of these assessments. Uh, I would say find out what's best suited for your needs. And here's why. So there's six different assessments in membership assessment tools. And I think the ones that might, see, there's so many here that are impactful though, right? Because So there's one on classifications. So this goes to look at your community and all the professions and talents that exist. And does your club reflect that or not? And then same thing with diversity. I mean, when we're looking at the demographics of early retirees and seniors, your club might need more of those. You might be depleted in that. You know, you want to make sure that you have them in your club and it helps you address how to engage them better. Um, improving retention, it shows, you know, memberships up to a year, then up to six to 10 years and different reasons why they either stay in the club or why they leave. So that's a great one. That's a really good read. And the membership satisfaction survey, I recommend this for everyone. Every club should be doing this at least once a year. And the reason for that is you have changing dynamics in your club. And with those changing dynamics, you want to make sure everyone's feeling good about their member experience, that the club experience is positive for them. So that, and you know what, these are just templates too. I mean, if there's something that if you get a good idea out of these assessments and you take it a different direction, go for it. This is just to help you from, you know, recreating the wheel, essentially. There's the club flexibility page on my rotary. And this is where we're talking about all those flexible, the new flexibility that exists that's existed for about the past two years. And there's information on an overview on what's allowed now, questionnaires that you can discuss with your club, some FAQs, and start guides if you're considering a new type of flexibility, and then of course, templates for your bylaws. And one thing to consider too, before you know, jumping into promoting too much of something is, you know, we talked about identifying the value first, but when you're ready to promote and try and engage the demographic that you're seeking, especially with seniors, there's some great promotional materials on the brand center. One of them being a customizable brochure, which you can see first. There's also a new People of Action campaign, some videos, some ads, great for social media. And one thing to keep in mind, too, is that a lot of seniors are on Facebook now. You know, they joined Facebook because they want to see pictures of their grandchildren. They want to connect with them that way, especially if they're not living nearby. So thinking of those two different strategies, not just in print, but also using social media as well. And then I'm, I'm one of your resources too. I hope that you'll connect with me. This is my Facebook page. If you want to see what it looks like, note the picture of me, those, those people, that's my team. And we're really excited to, to su offer support in any way that we can. 
And there's my Facebook page too. I'm always posting about any innovations or ideas that I hear from other clubs. You know, that's what I try to do is facilitate connections between clubs of what's working and how we can improve these struggles, promote new resources. But I also collect feedback on resources that are needed or maybe just not cutting it. You know, I bring it back to our team and we see how we can better work for your region if it's regionalizing it better or if it's just making something brand new. And I really hope that you feel confident now with approaching the different demographics of senior and early retirees. And one thing to keep in mind too is that they're not always lumped together. I know some people lump them together, but some might be more active. Some might have grandchildren, some might not. But anyway, that's, that's my presentation. Um, and I'll pass it back to Caro in case we have any questions or anything else I can offer assistance with. Thank you, Julie. I do have a couple of questions here. You spoke about discovering skills that your senior members have. Is there potential in that? Because one of the things that we've encu we're encouraging clubs to do is to develop a niche, uh, to develop a focal point within the community so that instead of perhaps offering a vanilla product, that they could actually hone their club to cater for a particular niche. Would you see that as being a, a way that we, you could use this skills development program or skills discovery program? Oh, definitely. And I agree that, you know, clubs shouldn't be everything, <laughs> you know, that there's always, there's always room for more clubs too, or satellite clubs, um, you know, kind of to share because we're not interested in everything. So having more niche opportunities like that or focus that's perfectly fine. There might, there's some clubs out there that they consider themselves like an eco club and they focus just on environmental issues. That's their thing. And they're extremely passionate about it. And when they're promoting, you know, they're usually catching people that either can bring those skills to the club or that they want to develop and harness those skills in the club. And actually not too long ago, and this was just fe featured in Rotary Down Under, but there's a newer niche Rotary club that's an e-club in Australia, the Australian Nomads E-Club, and they cater to travelers, you know, giving purpose to travel and they do service as they travel. That's something that they enjoy in life. They might be um, retired and able to travel more freely and they use that as a purpose of discovering new places to go and new connections to make. So definitely, I hope that answers your question. It does, it does. Mm -hmm. Yes, the, the Nomads are a very, very successful Rotary Club and their unique style and offering is very, very attractive. Going back to your to a couple of things that you connected to, I, I like the way you used the community assessment tools and the project assessment tools in a different way. Would you like to expand on that a bit? Because I think that's an opportunity that Rotary Clubs tend to focus on doing the work rather perhaps than... Who, the, who that new project might attract. So would you like to expand on that? Sure, sure. Um, I think it's, so the nice thing about community assessment tools is it kind of is a how-to if you don't know where to start. Because that can be really overwhelming, right? I mean, it teaches you how to first kind of do a general assessment of your community, whether that be through a, a meeting, like a community meeting and how you can host that 
and get people's feedback. You can also do it through surveys and focus groups. Focus groups are a fantastic way to better understand what's needed in your community, but also better understand the needs and the wants of the demographics that you're trying to reach, whether that just be people that want to join service at all or an age demographic like we've been discussing. Really understand, you know, okay, so does Rotary not appeal to you as now? And if so, why? And it gives them a great opportunity to be just really honest. And of course, we don't take anything personally. It's just, you know, that's very helpful information. It also talks about focus, uh, not just focus groups, interviews and community mapping. Because I have to say, there's been a lot of projects out there that catch new members if they're visible and especially if it attracts them. You know, there's been some projects in Rotary clubs that, you know, are helping refugees. And I know members of my family have even reached out saying, how, how can I get in touch with this club? I want to know what they're doing and I want to know more. I want to help. So even developing those projects and promoting them can, can either catch people at the beginning, like, oh, your club's doing that? It, do you need help? Can I help? It's a great way to get it. But also once you're promoting that project, catching other people with similar interests. And oh, there was something else I was going to mention too. Yeah, just, just being very thoughtful about those services. And it, it can be even as small as I've heard some, some Rotary clubs have provided like new stairs for a senior, senior facility or something that's just really simple that you didn't think of that was just always been needed. Those community assessments can find those specific needs. And of course, if you're using the Rotary branding correctly, then they'll know exactly who helped and that they can associate your club with helping the community further and that they know that they can go to you and perhaps expand on that. It's also a great way to partner with corporations and businesses in the community too, because they might have a program where they're looking to help and you can bridge that gap. Thank you, Julie. I'm keenly aware that it is Saturday night where you are and this is premium time. One final question perhaps. And this sure. one is about something pretty exciting that you mentioned during your talk, the potential for a Rotary TED Talk, a travelling Rotary TED Talk. That sounded like a really imaginative opportunity. Would you like to expand on that perhaps a little bit? Sure, sure. Now, I, I loved this concept. It's something I would go to in a heartbeat. I mean, Chicago actually has something... Uh, not quite the same way, but they call it Chicago Ideas Week. And it's, and it's so popular and well attended. And, you know, there's different meetings all throughout the city. So it's, it's a different format, but it's very similar to what Melbourne's doing called Raising the Bar. And what it is, is, you know, it, Rotary Clubs, I don't think are doing this yet, but they could. And basically what the Rotary Clubs could do is either utilizing the talents of the members that they already have or making their connections maybe with guest speakers that they've had in the past and setting up kind of this tour of speeches. It could be a whole week. It could be one night, depending on how big or how little you want it to be. Partnering with different businesses, maybe bars or your local library or bookstore. So everyone has something to gain from it. The businesses get people in their stores or their bar. 
you know, the speakers get to promote their talents and their knowledge and lead such a wonderful facilitated discussion or give a speech on certain topics that might be pertinent to the community. And then the Rotary Club has to benefit from, first of all, adding this wonderful addition to, of education to their community, facilitating this. But then if they're smart about how they integrate their club into these events, it's a great way to build awareness about what your club, or if it's multiple clubs are doing, is capable of doing. And also sharing about some of the awesome stuff that happens in Rotary all throughout the world, all the good you're doing, eradicating polio. You know, whether your club is doing literacy programs, I mean, it could be a great way to not, not shove the information down someone's throat, but kindly lay it out there on this wonderful platform with everything else that's happening. I know I would attend that in a heartbeat. I know the few other events I've heard of like that, which have grown much bigger, are extremely popular. And I think that this could be a really wonderful opportunity to bring in new members and even build up the skills and talents in your club even further. Fantastic, Julie. Thank you for that. I think it's an appropriate time now to close. So that does bring us to the end of this webinar session. But before we close, another huge thank you to to our panellist, Julie Aubrey, for her fantastic presentation and for taking time out on a Saturday night to do that for us. So, So thank you, Julie. Thank you for having me and best of wishes to everyone. I hope that you keep in touch. Yes. And thank you to all our audience. So farewell, everyone. Until next time, over and out. Okay.